Hello and welcome back to A Functional Approach with Dr. Jim Chaltis. I am Dr. Jim Chaltis and today I wanted to focus on a concept that I think is often overlooked in, you know, in, in considering the safety and the health and the wellness, um, particularly of the elderly population. I mean, it's very, very easy to focus on on the basic concepts around blood chemistry, they're very important. We talked about blood sugar, we've talked about thyroid health. You know, all these things can lead to things like brittle bones, for example, you know, if their gut is not in good order. And I mean they as in not just the elderly, but let's just say people in their 20s, 30s, 40s who are setting the stage for the next several decades of their life, right? So if we have these guts that just aren't able to absorb nutrients properly or if the diet is is you know lacking in in healthy foods good nutrition then things like bone density can just start to go down um, if they're highly inflamed because of other types of reactions and bone density can go down so you know i'm picking the bones to talk about here because what i'm really trying to get at is you don't usually have a problem with things like osteoporosis, right, bone loss, until that unfortunate day where you stumble and fall and you break something, right? And that something, more times than not, is usually a hip, and it's usually right in the neck of the femur there where the hip and the ball and socket joint is, and that, that, that thinner bone there um, can snap and, and, and really cause a problem, and this puts people into the hospital, right, and that hopefully are healthy enough to, to survive such an experience. You know, hospitals are no joke. There are things there that lurk. There are bacteria. There are, there's a concept in medicine called nosocomial infections. It's a mouthful, nosocomial infection. It means an infection that's found nowhere other than inside of a hospital, right? We don't want to go to hospitals if at all possible. I hate going to hospitals, even to visit people, although I will because I love them. But those places are dangerous for lots of reasons. We need to do everything we can do to keep people out of those places as much as possible. So long story short, we need to start to live our lives in such a way that one, we're getting proper nutrition. We are, you know, taking care of all those basic blood chemistry, functional medicine kinds of concepts that I, I've spoken about and will continue to speak about. Those are vital and essential. But the question remains, what can we do to lower the chances that we're going to suffer a fall? And then if we do fall, are we going to break or not, right? Because in some cases, that breaking, broken hip is the beginning, it's the domino that just got pushed that's leading to an eventual death. So I looked up on the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control website, just to kind of get refreshed on some basic statistics here. And this is just for America, but every second of every day, every second, somebody in the elderly population, and they define elderly as 65 plus, um, suffers a fall. So just since I've been talking, you know, we're three and a half minutes in, there's a lot of people that have just fallen. That doesn't mean that they've injured themselves necessarily, but it could, it could be, and it doesn't mean that they're going to die, but it could, right? Uh, a staggering number. I was actually um, really surprised um, about the numbers that, that you can just look up on the CDC website. Um, you know, it is a leading 
cause of injury and injury-related death in that age group, 65 and, and older, and somewhere on the, the or average of 32,000 deaths per year can be attributed to that. And that's just deaths. That's not just suffering. That's not just people, um, you know, sitting in a hospital bed for three weeks while they're mending and, um, and, and really, you know, hating life. <laughs> so there's, there's death, of course, but there's also um, just suffering. And, uh, and that number goes up dramatically. Three million treatments for, um, for falls occur per year in this country. Three million. Okay. So what, what can we do about the, that part of things? Um, the first concept, above all else, is just to make sure that the body keeps moving. It's essential that we keep moving. I know that that's a big statement for a lot of people. There's some people whose bodies just don't move well anymore. Maybe they were, you know, parachuters in the war and they have no knees and, and they can't really get out and do that kind of stuff. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're going to be at an increased risk. But, you know, barring these more extreme cases of, of people that just are already in a disability kind of a state, you know, what are you doing right now? You're 45 years old. You're still pretty young and vital. Um, what can you do right now? Um, what can you do if you're a 65-year-old person and you're still vital enough to get out there and move, right? Um, I, I can tell you what, sitting at the, you know, at a desk all day and uh, sitting on the couch all night isn't going to help you when you stumble over something and you fall, right? So we must move our bodies, but you know, it, it could be as simple as walking, right? <laughs> walking, especially if you have a dog, that kind of adds a little twist to the basic walk, but certainly walking. Um, I personally like to kind of, if I'm just out for a basic stroll, I kind of like to, I don't know, sometimes pick a line. If there's a nice little crack I can kind of follow, um, I do it because what that's doing is it's helping my brain stay focused on a on a target in my visual field. It's coordinating all of my balance and my intrinsic spinal muscles and everything that I need to do to keep myself on that line. Like I might walk on the little curb, you know, and I might, I might follow that around a corner even uh, just to increase the, the difficulty. For me, it's not difficult. It, it's, it's, it's easy, but hey, I could be walking, you know, randomly and, and flopping around on a, on a sidewalk with a, not a very straight, um, course, or I could be very, very deliberate. It's my opportunity now, right, to be deliberate and to and to challenge my my core stability. So I choose to do that as often as possible. I I, I try not to be a a, a maniac about it um, because sometimes you just want to sit and watch the birds too as you're as you're on your walk and and enjoy yourself. So please do that as well. But. Hey, if for 30 seconds out of a walk, you can decide to focus on, I'm going to work on this, this balance concept and, and focus and coordinated motion, you're building parts of your brain that control all that. And if you don't build them, they do the same thing as everything else in your body if you're not using them. They atrophy. So the next time you're challenged, you might not pull it off as well. 
you know, in martial arts, and I, I have a brown belt in jujitsu, uh, going back a bit, I, I bust myself down a few belt ranks these days, but I, I achieved a brown belt with two stripes level of jujitsu training. And one of the things that you learn with all martial arts and all sports really is this notion of muscle memory, you know, being able to just own a movement so strongly that you don't even have to think about it. So here you are, you're, you're kind of, you know, coming down some, you know, some on a hike, you're down a little trail, it's a little slippery, and then a rock falls out, and then your leg is not where you think your leg should be, and now down you go, right? So that's fine. Now, do you do that in a graceful way, or, or do you do that in a not so graceful way? A lot of times that comes down to muscle memory. What is your body used to doing? Um, there are some very quick relays between the limbs where we have a lot of sensory input, you know, and our spinal cord, and then a branch goes up to our brain to process what just happened. Um, but you might, you might recognize this the most if you accidentally touch a hot burner on the stove, there's a, there's a little pathway that goes from fingertip to spinal cord to fingertip muscles and, you know, and arm muscles, and you don't even have to think about it. It's just, boom, you're, you're out of there. And then you're like, oh, dang, that hurt, right? And then that comes out, that comes like a half a second later. So the better you can get with your body at kind of being ready for the unexpected, the less falls you're going to have because you'll be able to, you know, get out of the way of yourself or manipulate your body weight in just the right way so you don't go down. That's huge, huge, huge. Again, no doctor can really help you with that. You know, perhaps a personal trainer, perhaps a physical therapist, you know, they'd be very good at helping somebody train specifically for kind of core stability, balancey type movements. Um, if you are going to the gym, mix it up a little bit too. I like to do like um, dumbbell curls, but standing on one leg and maybe I'll even stand on like a foam mat, which makes it a little bit less stable. So I'm just kind of, I'm working those, those core stability and those... Um, midline cerebellar structures of my brain because I don't know when I'm going to be put in a position where I feel off balance in the future. When I'm, when I'm thinking about the grocery list and the dog is pulling me in a weird direction and, you know, a loud car horn just happened next to me and it startled me, right? I don't know. That, ha that happens, right? Things happen. Um, or, heaven forbid, you get into a physical altercation on the street. You get pushed. You get punched. Um, you know, these things happen. Are you going to be the person that goes down, breaks the hip, um, or not? I hope none of those things happen, but we must be prepared. And what I don't want for anybody to, to do is to get to a stage in life where, you know, just a simple trip, it means, uh, you know, three to four weeks in a hospital bed with a broken hip or worse, right? Smashed head or something like that. So easy to bunk your head. So... These are some basic things. Always consider, you know, be mindful about your motions. You know, when you have that opportunity, be mindful and, and really focus on how can I improve my stability in this position. Okay, what I, what I really came to talk about today was uh, something I've been doing for years. I, I just, um, I, I'm a person up until very recently, um, 
I, I never liked going to the gym. I, I just didn't care for the scene. I don't know. I got bored in there. I like to be out in nature. I like to be walking and looking at the birds, like I said, and and um, and seeing the sunshine and all that all that good stuff. Um, so I used to be a runner. Yeah, my my legs and my knees um, stopped liking me for that kind of thing. So I've, I've sort of given up running on the road and on the trails. Um, but what I found was if I put a bunch of weight in my backpack and just walk around with a, a weighted backpack. Um, I don't know why, but my knees seem to do just fine with that. And I can go anywhere from 15 minutes walking the dog with it, or I can go on a two and a half mile hike at altitude in the mountains with it and, and really get my butt kicked uh, in a good way. So, you know, this activity has a name, it's called rucking. Uh, it's named after a rucksack. I suppose that's from a different country or a different age, um, but a backpack, rucksack, however you wanna say it. Um, I personally choose currently to, to be at around 32 to 34 pounds. I just have some little sandbags that I've found work well for me. Um, but this could be something as, as low as five to 10 pounds if you're brand new. You know, I start low. There's no reason to go heavy. Um, you can go up to a 30-year weight, but that's pretty heavy. <laughs> you know, if you're 150 pounds, you're you're putting in 50 pounds, and that's a that's a heavy pack. So I would recommend less than that personally. Um, I like the idea of having something heavy enough to challenge me, not just in my muscles to build my muscles, but to also challenge my my concept around core stability in unstable environments. So I find the 30-ish pounds, um, you know, range is like a perfect weight for me. Although I am conditioned for it and I have a muscular build in general and I can do that. Um, like I said, I can go for two hours and I'll be tired at the end, but I can do it. So, you know, if you're going to take on something like this, you know, maybe start with 10 extra pounds and, and just see how you feel. Step up and down off of things. Um, and just and really just try to negotiate your weight around it. You'd be surprised how it feels. Um, in fact, a lot of the falls that happen out there happen while going down things, going down stairs, right? So put on some weight and notice how that feels. How does it feel to step down a few steps or to go down a, a trail? Um, you know, hopefully it's not too gravelly at first. <laughs> you know, you want to be safe about it. But um, you know, really, really feel into how does that how does that feel on my body? Do I really feel unstable with that extra weight? You know, if I have to sidestep down something because it's really steep, can I do that? You know, safely, um, or does it does it pose a challenge? And those are good things to recognize because your weakness becomes your exercise, right? Um, you want to see where you're, what you're good at, and what you're not good at. And what you're not good at is the one that's going to get you in the end. So, you know, see what we can do to, to start to improve around that. I really find that rucking is a, um, a fantastic way to passively get in exercise. It does give you cardiovascular bursts because, hey, you might find yourself walking up a big fat hill and you weigh a lot more this time. Um, and I find that this it's a motion that works well with functional exercise. I've always been drawn to things that um, that the body is designed to do naturally. We are designed to walk and we're even designed to carry some weight. So in my mind, I, I kind of like to think of, of passive exercise as just making something harder that doesn't need to be that hard. 
so that the next time you find yourself doing that activity without the weight, it's much, much easier. I, like I said, when I was uh, training in jiu-jitsu and we would cross-train in things like Muay Thai kickboxing and, you know, just some striking arts, um, you know, I remember one of our instructors would always have us do exercises and workouts that keep our body in that same general fighting position, right? So, for example, if we're doing push-ups, there's some benefit, I suppose, if you want a certain shape to your pecs and your chest and your arms to take that those arms really wide and do like a real wide push-up, right? And those can be a lot harder sometimes because it's just a kind of a weird base uh, or really, really close in. Um, but he said, no, keep your arms kind of in a neutral position because, you know, heaven forbid you're going to, you know, get into a punch, <laughs> punching match or something. Your arms are going to be going out straight in front of you for the most part. They're not going to be way out here on the side. So the functional exercise would be keeping it in line. That just kind of resonated with me. And, and really, he was just talking about push-ups at that point. Uh, but I've taken that concept a little farther in my own mind. And you should too. What, what do you want to do forever? Uh, here's another one. I don't know. I, maybe I'm, uh, I'm trying to be younger than I am or something, but I climb every tree that I have the opportunity to climb. <laughs> I'm 40, almost 48 years old, and if I see a, a tree in a park that is um, climbable, uh, there's a good chance I'll say, hold on, you guys, I'll be right back, and I'm going to climb that tree. It's just a functional exercise for me. I, I feel like it's, it's been a part of my life forever. I love heights. I love climbing. I used to be a rock climber. Um, I love trees. I love the birds in trees. I love the view. So what the hell? I'm going to climb the tree. But hey, that's a functional life skill, right? You, I might need to climb something someday. So as soon as I stop climbing trees, it's the first day that I'm not going to be able to climb trees anymore and I won't have it. That might mean I fall one day and that could be the end of me. But hey, I went out doing something I love. So choose your your things wisely. <laughs> the tree climbing thing, um, that's just something I like to do. Uh, but it could be other things, right? I, I also see a, a benefit of being able to climb fences. I, I mean, I, I like to be able to get places if I need to get places. That helps me protect myself. That helps me protect my family and anybody I'm with. You know, it's it's a skill that I, I take on as sort of a warrior spirit, right? I need to be capable. Um, rucking is uh, basically an instrumental training tech technique that pretty much all of the military use. The military personnel on the battlefield um, and just out there, you know, Maybe they're not fighting, but they're supplying, they're out there doing their thing. Um, they must be able to function with weight, be that heavy loads of water or food or munitions or what have you, right? So uh, make yourself strong under awkward conditions and you will have a much better time when those odd experiences come at you and you weren't expecting them. You will have resilience. Resiliency is one of those concepts that you might hear me talk about over and over again, especially when I talk about things like longevity and um, an improving health span, right? The he being healthiest, the longest in your life that's possible. Interestingly, our, our longevity, how long we live, keeps going up in this country and, and in the world due to drugs and things that, that modern medicine can provide. Um, however, 
our health span is abysmal, especially in the United States. So we are living longer, sicker, right? That's, that's nothing to boast about, really. That's nothing to be so proud about. Um, we want to incre increase our health span as well as our longevity, you know, most likely. Uh, we do that by keeping ourselves as resilient to things as possible, resilient to infections, resilient to, you know, um, sleep deprivation if that has to happen, resilient to um, caloric intake. So you should be able to fast if you have to do that. Um, you should be resilient to cold and heat exposure. You know, these are all things that I'm going to talk about in individual podcasts. They're all going to kind of come together in a larger longevity concept or, or you know, health span concept. Um, but improving your resiliency to, um, to falls, absolutely, um, but also to just, you know, falling. <laughs> I mean, I, you're, that's one of the things that these old Tai Chi masters are just awesome at. You know, if you want to improve your chances of not falling, you take up, I don't care what age you are, you take up Tai Chi, right? It's this, we could call it a martial art. It's more of an internal martial art. It's more of a meditative concept. But the, the idea of, a, of Tai Chi in a martial setting is that you cannot move those people. You cannot push them over. <laughs> they, they, can, they can absorb your energy and flow with it and send you in the opposite direction if, if they choose to do that. Um, they're extremely stable. I had this old Tai Chi, actually, he was a Qigong. Qigong is another kind of a similar version of Tai Chi. They're, they're relatives of, of the same kind of energetic martial art kind of concept. We had this little um, Qigong master who came through my acupuncture school and he, in his broken English, he said, you study Qigong, you be strong like tree. It was great because you can't move a tree, right? And this guy was in his mid eighties and you couldn't move him. And he had wrists that were just like tree branches. You know, it was awesome uh, and impressive. So you know, find something that's going to challenge your, your sense of stability and balance. I love rucking. I do it passively. Ask my wife, if you ever meet her, how does Jim walk his dog Cheddar? Well, I've just got 15 to 20 minutes. You better believe I have a 34-pound pack on while I'm doing it because why not? Why not do it? I made myself better that day, which means I'm going to make myself better when I'm 65 plus and I'm in the high risk category for falls. So don't fall. That's, that's concept number one. But you cannot deny the benefit of rucking something like that on bone density. Our bones absolutely must have resistance, weight bearing. They must flex and bend. If they don't do that, then the cells that make them up, that make up that tissue, do not break themselves down, the old, old brittle stuff, and regenerate healthy new bone. Weightlifting is not about the muscles. I mean, it is. It can be. But it's also about bone density. What you're doing right now, 30-year-old and 20-year-old, right, has a hell of a lot to do with how you sustain a fracture or not a fracture when you're 65 plus because you stumbled and down you went. So some form of weight bearing exercise, putting on 30 pounds and walking down an uneven trail, it does add risk, right? It does add risk, don't just go into it willy nilly. 
You can roll ankles, wear the right shoes, right? You know, be prepared for this kind of activity. But the better you get, the stronger you get, the more support you have on the joints, the, the, the tendons, the ligaments strengthen, the muscles strengthen, and the bone density builds, right? So if somebody suffering from bone loss should start adding gentle, gentle weight-bearing exercise. It could be light weights. It could be you know weights with squats. It could be putting on 10 pounds in a backpack and just walking on the flat ground for a little while and just adding that load to the skeleton. Because in the end, that matters. That matters. Three million ER treatments per year in this country from falls. Right? I have fallen. I wasn't 65 plus, but I have fallen hard <laughs> a few times. <laughs> and I do believe that my jiu-jitsu jiu training has helped me make those falls as graceful as they can be. That's part of our training is white belt training. You're not doing much except for learning how to protect yourself because you're going to go down because you're the white belt and you're going to get hammered, right? So you learn how to protect yourself. But I also believe that just having a more of a robust skeleton because of of the loads I've put on myself has helped me through those falls as well. Um, so I, I I offer that to you. Um, this is this is cheap stuff. When I first started to do this, I didn't have anything heavy in my in my. I didn't have like a special backpack or anything. I just got a backpack and my wife, because she used to be into like soap making, she had like a, a Costco industrial size bag of of baking soda. And it was something that was just on the shelf. She hadn't used it for a long time, and it was just sitting there being baking soda on a shelf. Well, it became my rucking sack weight. And I carried that baking soda up and down mountains for a couple years. And, um, and then I got something a little bit nicer for myself. But um, it doesn't have to be anything. Find anything you want. Sack of flour. Stick it in a backpack and start walking. In closing, I just think, you know, backpacks do matter. Um, I, I recommend a backpack that has a hip belt because you really want more of your weight load on your hips. That way you can kind of use the strength of your legs um, to kind of, you know, um, keep yourself strong and stable. If you have it simply on your... Um, on your shoulders, then that weight, especially if you're getting up around the 30 pounds or so, is going to start to tug on your neck and shoulders, and that can cause strain. I've done it to myself by accident, um, where I kind of tweaked my neck. So um, you know, the more you can be sort of that you know weight belt um, load, the better. And you'd be surprised what weight you can carry when it's on your hips. So uh, I do hope that helps. I do hope that helps. This this is a conversation not about functional blood chemistry. It's a conversation about keeping yourself resilient and keeping yourself strong no matter what your age because falls are a leading cause of death in the elderly. My own father, in my opinion, um, died. He died about I don't know, five years ago or so. Um, he died about a month or so after he took a fall. He was already a weakened person. You know, he was approaching 80. Um, he was quite heavy at the end and he got up in the middle of the night and I don't know, nobody really knows what happened. He stumbled and he fell and he broke um, several of his vertebrae and broke a few ribs. And it was, it was just awful for him, you know, and it was awful for us and that put him in the hospital. That put him in a uh, recovery 
facility, and you know, sadly, he never he never left. Um, so, you know, this does strike home for me. Like I, I do know what this is like. I have seen it, um, and I'm an acupuncturist as well. So we deal with a lot of injury and a lot of musculoskeletal stuff. And I have helped people for their falls, <laughs> and I do have patients that suffer osteoporosis and are always worried about their falls and want to work on bone density. And um, part of the way I can help them is by reminding them about lifestyle changes, exercise, weight, you know, bearing exercises, putting load on the skeleton. Um, rucking, be it gentle or aggressive, is a fantastic tool. And I do hope to see you out there sometime. I will ruck with you. Okay, thank you so much for your time. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this, this little podcast here on rucking. I, I enjoy doing it and I enjoy talking about it. So take care. This is Dr. Jim Cheltis, and this is a functional approach. Bye bye.